0: This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's 11 o'clock. Welcome to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock. Lots to get to today. We're going to mix it up. A little, little diversity, topic-wise, on the show as we head into the afternoon. We'll talk Blue Jays, of course. Ryan Goins looks like the hand is bruised and he's going to be okay. But man, that was scary last night. Stepped on, bleeding, tons of pain. So we'll talk Jays. NFL conversation, Brad Gagnon. National Ride for Bleach Report stops by. There is so much going on in the National Football League. We'll also get into the Leon Dreisaitl contract, and what it could mean for the signing of future Maple Leaf youngsters. Dustin Nielsen from our sister station out in Edmonton, TSN 1260, will drop by at 1210. And then some wrestling talk, folks. SummerSlam is this Sunday, but Ric Flair is still in critical condition. The Nature Boy, woo, Still in critical condition. We're going to talk about his legacy and SummerSlam and, and really what... What a mainstream figure he has become. Guys like him, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, they transcend just pro wrestling. And you have Ric Flair's woo at Carolina Hurricane Games. He's come out, gives prep and pep talks to NBA teams, the Cavs, hockey teams, NFL teams with the Carolina Panthers. So... Nature Boy, Ric Flair, we're going to talk to Jason Agnew, host of Live Audio Wrestling Sundays here on TSN 1050, his legacy and about SummerSlam, and hopefully Nature Boy is going to be okay. Uh, one of my, my favorites of all time. And we'll get into a little, little old school wrestling talk. Who's your favorite all time? Are you, were you a Hogan guy? Were you a Flair, Stone Cold, Randy Macho Man, Savage? You can get us on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at Andy MC eighty one. Go to open up the phones too. Four one six eight seven zero ten fifty. Four one six eight seven zero ten fifty. Toll free. One eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six. So if you want to talk hey, if you want to talk some some wrestling, some Ric Flair memories, some just your your all time favorite wrestling moments, we can do that. We can do Leaf Talk, Jays, NFL, a lot going on. And our poll question here ties into Ric Flair. So one of Flair's nicknames, one of the Nature Boy's nicknames, is the dirtiest player in the game. He'd always cheat. Thumb to the eye, whatever. So our poll question is, in honor of the dirtiest player in the game, Ric Flair, who's the most infamous cheater in sports history? Most infamous cheater in sports? Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady slash Bill Belichick, you gotta lump them together, Barry Bonds, or Ben Johnson? I'm going to say, and we'll bring in the guys behind the glass, Scrizzy and Joe. I'm going to go with Barry Bonds. And the early leader is Lance Armstrong. And the reason I'm going Barry Bonds as the most infamous cheater is because he smashed one of the most sacred records in baseball. Now, Mark McGuire did it first, but Barry Bonds currently has the asterisked all time home run record. And then you run into the conversation well, is 61 the record? Is it 73? And, and and Barry Bonds, of course, denying everything. I love when you look at pictures of Barry Bonds where he, and he was a great player before he juiced up. Like, your head doesn't grow in size and you don't put on 20-plus pounds of muscles in your late 30s. It doesn't happen that way. He was steel bases, power, and he was the total package. But he gets my vote for Barry Bonds. So you can vote in at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMCD1 on Twitter. Phone 416-870-1050. Toll-free The dirtiest player in the game. Who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Barry Bonds, Ben Johnson. Uh, Mike Skrizyk, behind the glass. Scrizzy. Hello. How are you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm bummed that Ric Flair's in the hospital. Think and I hope are. he kicks out.
1: Huh? He always wins, man. He'll he always figure wins. A way out. He's
0: just in there to hit on nurses, I think. Probably. <laughs> Uh, how would you Kiss vote? Stealing. Most most infamous cheater in sports in honor of Ric Flair. Okay, to keep up with the wrestling theme, Okay, my vote
1: went to Lance Armstrong because okay. biggest heel move <sighs> was Lance Armstrong when yeah. he did to like everybody that he... Charity, went on
0: Oprah a La- lot. Like he like stuck when,
1: with it. That was like when Hulk Hogan turned on everybody. It when was kind the same thing.
0: When he went NW, you went the ultimate good guy to a heel and people couldn't believe it when he dropped the leg on Randy Savage. Pretty much. That's a, I like that. You're welcome. I like that, Skrizz. Because yeah, he, on Oprah, I didn't, I'm not a cheater. I didn't do this. And then it came out. And what happened when he was discovered? Did he ever really address that? Or was he like, oh, well, got me. <laughs> like, he was so committed to it. I guess that's what impressive, he, he just, he kept with the story. That might be the, if we were to rejig the poll, that might be the best heel move in non-wrestling of Lance Armstrong. Joe Narsa, producer. How are you voting, buddy?
2: I think I'm voting Ben Johnson mm. because that race is so is so great to watch.
0: It's iconic.
2: It is iconic, and in years later, there's been e60s, thirty for thirties, and it doesn't matter how old you are. You know who Ben Johnson is for. That shameful moment when he oh. tested positive after everybody went to sleep in Canada.
0: My favorite, because that was at, what, the '88 Seoul Olympics.
2: Yeah, so everybody watched it, yeah. was at a bar, hanging out, partying. Loved and then it. woke up in the morning and we're like, what?
0: Yeah. I, remember, I, I was, I guess, eight years old. I remember seeing, and even at, even at eight, I remember seeing everybody lined up and they just look like guys. And then you see Ben Johnson, who looked like four men in one. Like, he was, like, frothing at the mouth. Like, oh, man, that's the guy for Canada? Yes! And then he got cut.
2: You know what's funny? When he was uh, here, he, we have a wall at TSN 1050 where we get our guests to sign. Yeah. And under his name, he signed 979. Oh, I think that's, uh... Like, that's I think why, it's why he's infamous to me. <laughs> he didn't asterisk it either, so there's no <laughs> little I mean? star beside it.
0: He's like He ran it. It's not wrong. That was the time. He was just heavily, heavily aided. <laughs> Didn't he sponsor a sports drink, Cheetah?
2: Yeah, and he said I cheetah all the time. That's you know you need cash when you're spoofing yourself. But see, that's why he's so infamous, because to me, Lance Armstrong has never really recovered from that. And he's almost it's almost faded other than I there's this new uh, movie on Netflix called I think Icarus. Yeah. And it's like showing off like all the drug doping and stuff like that in the Olympics and stuff. But it would seem like Lance Armstrong is just something that happened in the past. And Barry Bonds... wasn't that long ago, though, either. No. And with Barry Bonds, I feel like baseball doesn't want to talk about it anymore because it's so tarnished, such a great record. Oh, it is. But, it's like an all... It, it's It was one of the most,
0: like, romantic records, right? The 61. 61. And then it got smashed by, what, McGuire and Sosa in the same year. They were both using... And then Bonds came after that.
2: And he's the all time home run hitter.
0: Yeah. So he doubled down that.
2: Yeah. So, but whereas Ben Johnson, like, even Canada's not, we're not afraid to talk about it. We're like, yeah, he was our guy and yeah. he was on Roy's and he looked massive, but what can you do? He, he ran was it.
0: huge.
2: But it's still a story. Like, we still want to talk about it every year when it's like the anniversary. We always end up talking about always it. Always bring it up.
0: And then the other one, of course, Tom Brady slash Bill Belichick. Like, the guy's notoriously walking on that edge, on that line. You had, what, Spygate, Gate, always being acute. Are they listening in to different practices or whatever? And even back in, in Cleveland, I think I told this story before, but it was Belichick would go into opponents' locker rooms after games and personally dig through garbage. Dig through the opponents' trash, personally, to find any sort of Note, play, whatever, and keep garbage files in his office. He would keep trash to try to get an edge. And you know what? I guess you got to walk that line to be the best. Right? Like it's, it's, you're tiptoeing along that. But Brady and Belichick, um, if you're a Patriots fan, you'll defend them to the end of the earth. If you're not, you think they're cheaters. I think at this point, though, for Brady Belichick, deflate gate, spy gate or not, I. <laughs> You still won all those Super Bowls. Like I, I used to be, okay, well, maybe it's, it's Peyton, maybe it's Montana. I, I think the conversation of if they're the best one-two punch ever, it's done. I think it's over. Like, you have to go Brady and Belichick. And especially if they win one more this year. Man. So you can vote at TSN 1050 Radio. At Andy Mc81, in honor of the dirtiest player in the game, Ric Flair, who's critical condition in hospital after surgeries and, and all that, and one of the most famous wrestlers and sports personalities of all time. In honor of him, who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Barry Bonds, or Ben Johnson? I had a tweet in from at Beer League Her Zero. He says, um, Joe Rogan. I I I don't understand that one. So Joe Rogan gets a vote for some reason uh, from Toronto Baghead says voted bonds, but regretted it immediately. <laughs> the Lord of the syringe is old dope strong himself. So he voted bonds, but then wants to change it to Lance Armstrong. I think Skrish, you might be right. Like the more you think about it, because of how like Brady and Belichick were, have always been, if you're not a Pat Finn, unlikable. Right, like if you're not you, you see Brady and, and then Belichick, he's grunting all that. You, you you cannot like him. It's Barry also, Bonds, hard to cheat in football. There's so many other. There's so elements. many other pieces, right? Yeah. And then Barry Bonds too, rude to the media. You can dislike Barry Bonds, but he was always good. He was always good. And, and, and then Ben Johnson, it was more for a moment. But for Lance Armstrong, charities raising the all that Livestrong money, strong movements, Livestr- those wristbands, those yellow I had wristbands. I had one. Fifty percent of the people I knew had one. Everybody, I never have one, but everybody had a Lance
2: Armstrong. Well, you couldn't afford man. it. So. Yeah. They didn't sell it at Kmart. <laughs> wow.
0: They don't make. They're not around anymore. They just fall off your little girly arms too. So. Jeez, <laughs> You're talking about these guns, <laughs> brother. <laughs> well, Lance Armstrong, guys, like he was the, the ultimate face, and then for that heel turn, I like that Hulk Hogan comparison. When he turned to N.W., it's like no, that was the guy saying train and eat your vitamins. We uh, Scotty MacArthur yesterday opened up the phone
1: lines with the question: Which athlete broke your heart? Yeah. After the uh, Elvis Presley, 40 years after his death, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, so the both, first like, guy that called in said Lance Armstrong because he's like I was battling cancer. Oh, he was my rock.
0: He was the guy. <sighs> I had posters of him. Wow. And then he broke his heart. But then, like, despite all that and the cheating, he still raised a ton of money for cancer.
2: But there's a negative connotation to what he did.
0: There there is, but like he still raised all that money. Like it was like he's a cheater. What he did was wrong and lying about it going forward, of course. But he still raised a crap load of money.
1: Pablo Escobar gave a bunch of money to little kids on the streets too. (laughs) That's a great series
0: on Netflix. You watch Narcos? Yeah, Narcos is fantastic. You have to be paying attention because you got to read a lot, so you got to be focused. Yeah, I got to pause it every like three minutes and go back (laughs) to read the Spanish. That's a great show, though. Uh, So, okay, so we have a vote for, some reason, Joe Rogan, and then for uh, Bonds and uh, for Lance Armstrong as well. So, but other news. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, big cash extension, eight years, averaged eight and a half mil per season. So, if you combine in Edmonton, McDavid and Dreisaitl, $21 million. So, what that means, of course, and why that's of interest to Maple Leaf fans is... What does that mean for the future in Toronto? Because in the not-too-distant future, you're going to have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. What does that contract do? Because that really, that sets the next bar, right? Anytime you have these extensions, anytime you have these new contracts come up, the players whose deals are coming up next, look at that and say, well, I'm at least getting that. Right? That's at least what I'm going to be going for. And so what does it mean for the Maple Leafs? Well, Dave Poulin was on the morning show Naylor and Landsberg earlier with um, Michael Landsberg and uh, Matt Cause. And he spoke about the Leafs' salary cap situation.
3: You're not happy with that at all. You're not and each team has to manage their individual salary cap, but you are absolutely affected by those around you. And you can say, well, I don't care what Leon Dreisaitl got, but if it were ever to get to arbitration, that's where it really becomes a factor, Michael. And, you know, you've got to convince your group. There are teams that do a good job of this, but everyone everyone believes they have salary cap issues today, tomorrow, yesterday, all the way along. It's a constant, constant and then you know the people they have doing them, like Brendan Prytum. I mean, he came from the league office. He he is one of the absolute best. And he, believe me, every waking minute he looks forward and says, "How is this all going to fit together?" And it's his responsibility to put the pieces in place. But when contracts are signed that are like almost, if it's just out of whack, it doesn't bother you that much. If it's so crazily out of whack it doesn't bother you that much. It's the one in between, because if something's so far out of line, you go, right. okay, that's an outlier. We Just dis- disregard that. That's a high that is wrong. It was a bad decision. It's wrong. But if Leon Dreisaitl were at 10.5 and goes on to do what he's doing, there, there are people that would say, well, you know what, that is in line.
0: That was Dave Fulham on the morning show. So Dreisaitl getting that with McDavid. Now, the argument may be, well, look at, look at Chicago now, struggling with the salary cap. My argument to that is Chicago's won cups. Give me that problem as a Leaf fan. If I can win multiple cups, I don't care about the salary cap problem. Give me a couple of cups, and if I have to retool and worry about the finances later, but I have a couple of rings and there's been two parades, uh, I'm fine with that. I'll handle that problem. The trouble is, of course, you have to get there and leave yourself enough room when signing your big guys to put the pieces around them. Right? You have to be able to have those complementary pieces and make sure you're not too top-heavy. Like, look at the Washington Capitals. And they're going to be even more so this year. top Very top-heavy. And they can't quite get over the hump. So, for the Maple Leafs, you have Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, and Dave Poulin commented on their situation.
3: Well, the bar is set, and and I'm not quite sure that Nylander would be a direct comp for dry Settle. And and I say that by position. I say that by performance so far. Drysaddle may have taken his game to another level with his playoff performance this year. Um, they'll have to figure out, the first thing is, is Nylander an absolute part of this young core? Is it Nylander, Matthews, and Martin? Are those the three young forwards that you're going to build your triangle around and you're going to pay? And it appears that, you know, that's moving in that direction for sure, without question. And now you've got to figure out how the pricing goes. And you might say, well, Matthews lines up better with McDavid and Marner and Nylander more with Dreisaitl. Because in each case, you'd say Matthews is the lead dog on the lease. But what McDavid did to separate himself with Matthews was win the MVP. He was the Hart Trophy winner in his second year in the league. So Matthews isn't quite there yet. And, you know, the other comp out there that could factor into Marner and Nylander and Matthews is Jack Eichel down the road in Buffalo, who's in a similar situation. So different things will come into play. I think hierarchy wise, you look at Nylander and Marner as being closer together and Matthews as being a step past them, but Matthews has only played one year in the league as has Marner. So there's still things to be determined. We're trying to guess on what you know, first of all, let's go out and have a great year if you're one of those two players or three players. Go out and have just a great year. But Nylander's got to be signed before that great year. And the danger here, guys, the last couple of, of precedents for a bridge contract aren't very positive for the team because you look at P.K. Suba signed for like $2.9 million for two years, and then he went straight to $9 million actually getting into arbitration before they settled. And then the real scary one is going to be Nikita Kucherov down in Tampa because he signed a three-year bridge deal and then had a monster year in the first year of it. So so he comes in at a number, his number is under five for three years. Where is he going to go coming out of this? And so it appears the direction is to sign these long-term deals. Now you've got to get the numbers down. But it's going to be up to the individual's to surpass their last year's performance. Those three kids have to go out and have to play better. And if they play better, the Leafs are going to be an even better team than they were this year, and the money will take care of itself.
0: That's Dave Poulin on Naylor and Landsberg this morning. And I think I I want to have that problem. Like, wouldn't it be great to be able to say, hey, all these guys are studs. We have to figure out a way to keep them or maneuver instead of just having to try to find scraps like the Maple Leafs have done for years. This is a great problem to have. I love this problem. You actually have three, at least three, incredible talents. And yeah, like Poulin said, you have the tiers, right? At least after year one, Matthews, Marner, and then Nylander. So if we look at the comparables, last year for Marner, first full season, 81 games played, 22 goals, 39 assists, 61 points. Leon Dreisaitl last year, 29 goals, 48 Assist 77 points, second full season. Played 72 games the year before and had 51 points. So Dreisaitl is signing that big deal after last season, almost a 30-goal scorer. It seems like Nylander is in the stage that Dreisaitl was last year. Right? And this is when, yeah, if you're the Leafs, you want to lock him up if you think he is going to be a part of the future. And by that, I mean, you have a lot of young pieces coming up. So, does Nylander become something you're able to dangle as part of a deal to improve the blue line? To try to solidify that up at some point? Because you have a, a ton of, of youthful forwards, a lot of them. So, if Nylander becomes, all right, well, this guy's 21 years old, he's 20, scored 20 goals in his first full year, a lot of upside and you bundle him, maybe that's something that you can use. So for the Leafs, with Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, I think if you're going to sign two, you, you look at Nylander as the odd man out if you have to go that way. So that, that might be the way you do it. We're going to get talk to Dustin Nielsen from TSN 1260 in Edmonton about the Dreisaitl deal and see, see how, how he feels about you yeah, McDavid and Dreisaitl kind of as that one-two punch there in Edmonton. But what does it mean for the Maple Leafs? And you can tweet in at TSN 1050 radio at Andy MC81. Phone number is 416 870 1050. Toll free 855 591 6876. Joe Narsa, producer, what are you thinking about this? Because I'm, I agree with, with Dave Pullen from his comment of, well, you have to decide if Nylander's a part of this. I kind of like the idea you give whatever you need to to Matthews and Marner. And if it doesn't work for Nylander, there's a lot of upside there to package out because you still need a blue liner if you want to go anywhere.
2: I think you can't overlook William Nylander because his value and his ability in a game, like he looked fantastic to me in the playoffs. He has a lot of ability. When you break them down, if they're making together a combined close to $30 this team is screwed. Because like you were talking about before, the difference between Chicago and Edmonton now is that Chicago was able to get bridge deals, was able mm-hmm. to have those salary ca- those um salary cap infringement deals where like guys are making 5.1 million over 12 years, but they've won their Stanley Cups. They've
0: they've got the titles. So, so if you have to rebuild and figure it out, fine, you have championships.
2: So with those 21 million dollars basically handicapping them, that same 21 million dollars is now going to start handicapping the Edmonton Oilers who don't even have a conference championship to their name. For The Leafs with three players, you gotta hope you can have Matthews at 11. You can have maybe Marner eight if you get lucky, under eight, seven and a half. And then you gotta hope Nylanders at a six because Nylanders coming up this summer. Yeah, so it's funny because it almost seems like, on some level, as a Leaf fan, you wouldn't mind a tiny bit of regression before you get them to sign. Because then you might get lucky, like you did with Morgan Riley and Nazem Kadri signing. And lock them up exactly, and signing very cap-friendly deals. Because another huge season from a guy like Morgan, I uh, sorry, a guy like uh, Mitch Marner and William Nylander will absolutely handicap the, the Maple Leafs going forward because they'll have to sign them.
0: Well, you'd think so. Like I, I don't, I think Nylander still. If you're talking about anyone who's going to be traded. It would be at this point, William Nylander. And at some point, guys, like you have to make sacrifices to improve elsewhere on the team. You are deep at forward and young. You have depth there. You don't have depth on the blue line. So you're going to have to give up something very good to get a top two, three defender. You have to. Right? The days of just throwing out random names and, and, and And scrap bodies are, are are gone, like you have to figure, all right, one, it has to be an upper echelon or rising talent. Two, it's got to match up salary-wise. so is it turned into a sign and trade or something like that? like this is this is going to be interesting because again, the new bar is set with Leon Dreiysedel, who's a number two guy next to McDavid. So now you have number two. Joe, you got you got a number.
2: Yeah. So if you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, for example, you have a guy like Malkin making nine and a half. Yeah. Crosby making eight point seven, and then Kessel at six point eight. Yeah. That's ballparking you at around that twenty five, twenty six million dollar point. But that's for three star players.
0: That's for three guys who are fully proven over a long period of time, and those all came, of course, before Crosby's the dry cycle contract discounted 8. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Like <laughs> 100%. you know what? That, That's that's with Crosby. That deal was signed one, but if he wanted to, he he could say you're going to renegotiate. They're not going to let him. The guy wants to win titles. Guy wants to win rings.
2: But those cap numbers not comparable in player wise. I'm not comparing the players, but I'm saying those cap numbers are doable if your three star forwards are about under too close around 25 million because they still have Latang at 7.2. Yeah. So they have about 32 million, 33 million wrapped up in four players, but their core, if the Leafs. Start to you know fall in love with guys and overpay those fringe guys, then it'll hurt you going forward. That's where you get in
0: trouble. Role player guys, right? You got this is a star league, folks. Lock down your stars. The role players, they're fun, and you need them, but they're much more interchangeable, I think, than your stars. So to me, I would I would be dangling William Nylander a little bit in a package to see what might be out there. And he's a hell of a player, don't get me wrong. But there's only so much room on this team, and you can only be so deep. So we'll get into that more at 12.10 with uh, Dustin Nielsen from TSN 1260. Some NFL talk when we come back from the break. Brad Gagnon, national NFL writer at Bleacher Report, joins me next. A lot more on Toronto Today here on TSN 1050.
1: Been reading books the legends Welcome and
0: back to Toronto today here on TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until one o'clock. You can get us on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio, myself at AndyMC81. Still to come in the show, we're going to chat with Dustin Nielsen from TSN 1260 out in Edmonton to go over the Leon Draisaitl contract and what that Edmonton team looks like to be able to relate it to what the Toronto Maple Leafs may look like once the deals come up for Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. How are they going to be able to adapt and build off of that? We'll also get into some talk about the nature boy, Ric Flair, in critical condition, famous wrestler, of course, uh, in a hospital. And so we put out our Twitter poll question at TSN 1050 Radio, at Andy mc 81 uh, in honor of the dirtiest player in the game, Ric Flair, who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Ric Flair would always thumb guys in the eye, cheat, do anything to win. Who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady, slash Bill Belichick, Barry Bonds, or Ben Johnson. We'll talk Ric Flair's SummerSlam and uh, Flair's legacy. Hopefully, we're all praying that he's going to pull through. Uh, with Jason Agnew, host of Live Audio Wrestling, Sunday night's at 11 here on TSN 1050. Coming up in a couple minutes, we'll talk to Brad Gagnon with NFL Conversation. Lots and lots going on around the National Football League. One question is, all right, Ezekiel Elliott is appealing his six-game suspension. Uh, He was not uh, uh, convicted of any domestic violence. NFL did its own thorough investigation for over a year. They deem it fit that he serve a punishment and so far at six games, he will appeal it. I'd be very surprised if it stuck. And if the NFL's evidence is so damning, why wasn't he convicted in court? Is my that, that, That's what always gets me. When you have Roger Goodell and company making these. Like, they're, like The FBI should be hiring Roger Goodell and his team. Like This is a crack staff. But what does it mean for the Dallas Cowboys on the field? Because without Ezekiel Elliott, the backfield has Darren McFadden. 29 years old. Alfred Morris. It seems like every other year, Alfred Morris plays well. Had a great start to his career in Washington. And then Ronnie Hillman, former Denver Bronco, picked up off the, the scrap house. Is going to be a committee behind that offensive line. I think the running game for the Cowboys is going to be just fine if Zeke is out because of that offensive line and because they can clear holes. like Some of the holes and gaps that Ezekiel Elliott was able to run through last year was like he was back at Ohio State. It was college level. There, the parting of the seas. Keeps the quarterback Dak Prescott safe. And the year before that, you had Darren McFadden on this team, ran, for, rushed for over 1,000 yards. So maybe it's going to be a committee thing. I think they're going to be okay. Like you want Zeke in there because he's the complete back, can catch, can block, can, can run, obviously. But over a short period of time, I think they're going to be okay. From a fantasy football perspective, though, man. Uh, who's going to be the, the direct handcuff for Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, that's something to keep an eye on in preseason games. Do you go McFadden? Do you go Morris? Does Ronnie Hillman come on? He was pretty bad in Denver. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting with the Cowboys. Uh, we'll try to catch up with Brad Gagnon in a few minutes. Uh, elsewhere, around the National Football League. Of course, hey, last week, you had the Buffalo Bills mixing it up. Like, credit to the Bills for clearing out the old regime's junk. And remember, people are like, oh, how could you trade Sammy Watkins? First-round pick, trade it up with the Browns. Again, you gave up so much. Well, that reg- this regime has not. It-, it didn't. Sean McDermott's the head coach. You have Bean is the GM coming over from Carolina. Not their guys. So, Bills have a lot of ammo draft pick-wise. You have Tyrod Taylor pretty much as a, on a bridge deal here to prove himself. But I th- we know what Tyrod Taylor is, at least I, I think I do. He's going to be a guy. He's going to be okay. He's not going to lead you. He's not your franchise quarterback, but he's going to be okay for this season. So people saying, oh, well, the, the Bills are trying to tank with the trade of Sammy Watkins. I strongly disagree. Sammy Watkins couldn't stay on the field. Does he have a higher ceiling than bringing over Jordan Matthews from Philly in the trade? Uh, yeah. He's got a higher ceiling, but who cares if you're never on the field? Matthews is a solid possession receiver. Problem for the Bills is they got only possession receivers. Like Zay Jones, the rookie, has a chance to be an impact guy, but not really breakaway speed good on jump balls. You don't really have the game breaker that you did in Sammy Watkins. But again, he wasn't playing. So you got a cornerback. You got a quarterback, uh, um, a wide receiver. You still have LaShawn McCoy. Bills are ripe for a 7-9 and nine type of season. And under the new regime, while you're waiting to find your future quarterback, that's probably okay. The trouble is, you got, at this point, two, maybe three QBs who are touted as being top guys. And we see that flipped on its head all the time. We are on doing TSN four downs last year. By the way, show will return September 2nd. Mike Scrizniak. Woo! Yeah. He's going to be producing again. But Scrizzy, we saw last year when we were doing the draft shows and through the season, every year there are guys who are touted as, okay, well, these are going to go one, two in quarterback. And then somebody out of nowhere pops up. Carson Wentz two years ago. Or a year ago. This past year, it was Mitch Trubisky. Somebody always comes out of nowhere. So you can't bank on tanking and just getting the quarterback or even be able to trade up and get your guy because this time last year, it was Deshaun Kaiser was going to be 1 2 with Deshaun Watson. Jake Hawker was
1: once supposed to be a number one overall oh, pick. That's so gross.
0: I know. Ew. But it changes year to year. You never know. It does. And during the year, like there's inevitably there's going to be a guy who pops up, a quarterback that's going to be, oh, like Lamar Jackson this year. He could be t- he's probably a top five pick right now. Sam Darnold. He's a top name there. He could fall off. You don't know. So I think the Bills are going to be competitive. The interesting thing, though, and it goes tonight, the debut of Jake Cutler with the Miami Dolphins against the Baltimore Ravens. Coming in. Poor Matt Moore, the backup with. Uh, Ryan Tannehill going down with that knee injury. Hey, maybe it's my time. Not so fast, Matt. No. Jake Cutler. Old sourpuss himself. How is he going to look in Miami? How do you guys think? What do you think, think, uh, Joe? How do you think uh, Cutler's going to do this year?
2: Well, he'll look hungover because he always looks hungover for some reason. I love his face. He's going to be Jake Cutler. There's going to be... One or two games where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy looks good. And then the rest of the season, it'll be like a huge pick six in the fourth quarter. He gets hit on his butt, and he just looks completely disheveled.
0: And people start turning on him. Like, it's it's great now. Did the press conference saying all the right things, right? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Had some great success. And by great, I mean by Cutler standards with Adam Gase. But I was looking at Cutler's stats. Like, I thought he was better. <laughs> his
2: quarterback ratings are horrendous.
0: I thought he, the, uh, he has never ha- finished the year with a quarterback rating over 93.
2: His two games in the playoffs, one he was, he threw for, I think he was at like a 111 and the next game he was at 37 and a half. Incredible. And, he, and you know what the other thing too is? The biggest statement about Jay Cutler, most of his teammates have nothing good to say about him. They don't. He's, he's not a likable guy. Now if you're
0: winning... That's fine. And this time of the year, he's going to he's have his best foot forward. But what happens when receiver X drops a touchdown pass? And he gives him the look, right? Or he throws a couple picks and oh, he starts to sulk. Well, again, Adam Gase got some good work out of him when he was with the Chicago Bears as a offensive coordinator. So that's why Cutler's out. And I'm thinking for the Dolphins... This was probably the best case scenario as far as what you could get. Like, you're in camp. Where are you going to find a a franchise-type quarterback? And let's not forget people. Ryan Tannehill's down. Ryan Tannehill's not very good. He's an average quarterback. The amount of money he got paid goes to show you what you can get if you are an average QB. Because teams that don't even have an average QB are not competitive. So, for Ryan Tannehill to go down, it's, you're not losing Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Like, Tannehill is okay. So, you bring in Cutler under Adam Gase, offense he knows. If J H I can stay healthy, you should have a good running game, complimentary. That could do fine. And, if Cutler doesn't do well or gets injured or whatever, you have Matt Moore who has shown that he can step in and be a viable
2: backup. Are you surprised they went Cutler instead of Kaepernick? Or giving a question, giving a call to Tony Romo?
1: Not at all. And I'll tell you why. Kaepernick would have never went there. He wore that Shea Guerra shirt last year during the protests. Yeah, he wore a Castro shirt, didn't he?
0: Yes. Sorry, Castro. Castro. Yeah, so... Yeah,
1: which is... is The Cuban population in Miami will never take Kaepernick.
0: Yeah, bad look. I don't know too many Fidel Castro uh, enthusiasts. Not a great look. But the reason is, it's not because, again, of... Kaepernick standing, kneeling, whatever for the national anthem, and it's not because Romo versus Cutler. It's because it's in camp. Your quarterback went down. You're screwed, and you want to, you want the, somebody who can come in and be able to step in as quickly as possible. Jay Cutler knows Adam Gase's offense. That's why it was done. It's not what if you bring in Colin Kaepernick. One, in my opinion, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Sorry. Talent-wise, he's been found out, and he's injury-prone. And he hasn't come out to even say he wants to play. Everyone assumes he does. He hasn't spoken to anybody. Jay Cutler knows the offense. It's the easiest path to create the fewest ripples with the Miami Dolphins. And that's why it didn't even make sense for Tony Romo, who, and I've heard stories where there's an under-the-table type of deal where he's only coming out if Dak Prescott gets hurt. Like, he's still with the Cowboys, essentially. Like, a wink-wink type arrangement. But that's why, to me... Jay Cutler makes the most sense. Like, who else are you going to get at an elite level? You're going to have Jay, uh, Colin Kaepernick come in? Like, The book's out on him. Pin the edges, make him throw the ball. And you're going to beat him. And his interception ratio was low last year. Still didn't win any games. So that's why I think Jay Cutler makes the most sense, Joe.
2: So now who stays a starter longer? Tom Savage in Houston oh, or Jay Cutler? Oh,
0: I'm going to say Cutler because Savage... You got Deshaun Watson knocking on the door. Savage won't be starting week one. Tom Savage. Sure. What can you guys explain to me what the hype is about Tom Savage all of a sudden? What a fifth round pick. Oh, Tom Savage, he's got why? He got he came in, was okay in replacing Brock Osweiler. Bill O'Brien, by the way, Houston Texans, is horrendous with young quarterbacks. Terrible. Terrible with young quarterbacks. So Tom Savage, uh, all, all right. He's your bridge guy. He's somebody you put out there, even if it is week one, so that you don't rush Deshaun Watson. quarterway through the season, Deshaun Watson's going in there. Because I think what you're going to see with Deshaun Watson again is somebody like these flashy guys who come in, right? He can move, he can run, he's got a big arm. But here's the problem with Deshaun Watson. Accuracy issues, mechanic issues, reckless issues. He sacrifices his body. This guy, and I said on Four Downs last year, to me he's RG4. He is like a upgraded Robert Griffin III, maybe with a little bit more meat on him. He takes too many risks. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get smashed. There was a hit he took in the National Championship game that I saw, I'm like, oh my god. If he is in the NFL, he's done. That dude is concussed. So I think Deshaun Watson's going to come in flash for a little bit. But he's going to be figured out, and I think the Texans overpaid for him. But hey, you know what? If you don't have a quarterback, you have to keep taking chances, and you have to keep taking swings until you get one. Okay, we're going to take the break, come back. We'll uh, get some Sound Wars Twitter poll update, and get ready to talk some hockey at 1210 with Dustin Nielsen. Also some wrestling talk, Ric Flair and SummerSlam as Ric Flair recovers in the hospital with Jason Agnew at 1230 from Live Audio Wrestling. A lot more coming up on Toronto Today.
3: It's time for an Elite 8 battle in TSN
0: 1050's Sound Wars.
3: Oh, what a hit that
0: one! This is the worst one for sure. Welcome back to Toronto Today, TSN 1050. It is 11.50. And it's time, as you heard right there, for Sound Wars. I'm Andy McNamara. So, the best sound bites are down to the Elite 8, and you get to decide which one survives this TSN 1050 Sound War, brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light logger. It's soundbite seed number one versus seed number five. Soundbite number one. Keith Hernandez and Gary Cohen, I love this one, were having what they thought was an off-air conversation about Nationals starter Tanner Rourke. It wasn't.
3: Roark got knocked out in the third inning. roark has been getting his tits yeah, he lit. really has.
0: I don't know how you beat that, to be honest with you. Okay, or soundbite number five the first of many records set by Austin Matthews as a Leafs rookie.
3: Here's Matthews with Nylander, 2-on-1. Back to Matthews! He scores! Austin Matthews! Four goals! Do you believe this? Holy mackin' the kids on fire!
0: That's pretty good, too. Go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your favorite soundbite, seed number one, getting his tits lit, or seed number five, Matthews Fourth goal. Voting for this Sound War closes at 3 p.m. Listen to Overdrive later today for the results and for the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Sound Wars is brought to you by Old Tomorrow, New Light. Later up, Light Logger at select Loblaw's grocery stores. I don't know how you get it. get past titslet guys. I don't know.
2: Austin Matthews is how you get past that.
0: Really? Four goals
2: in his first ever game as a Maple Leaf. Keith League.
0: Hernandez the said Titslit. Matthews That's, is about to get his tits lit in this battle. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you overcome that. If anybody can, though, it could be Austin Matthews. That's going to be close. This is going to be a battle. So, Sound Wars on TSN1050.ca. This is Toronto Today. I'm Andy McNamara. Still to come in the final hour of the show as I take you up to 1 o'clock, we're going to chat with Dustin Nielsen, host of Nielsen and Fraser on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Going to talk about the Leon Drysidle extension but I also want to get from Dustin. All right, the situation there in Edmonton seems like it's a year in advance of what could happen in Toronto. Okay, you sign McDavid, now Drysidal's there. Now all that money is locked up in those two. You still have all the Milan Lucic money, too. What is that? What could that mean for Toronto? Obviously, you don't want McDavid and Drysidal to get away, duh. But what does that do for the rest of the team building wise? So we'll get into that with Dustin Nielsen at 12.10. 12.30, looking forward to this. Jason Agnew, host of The Law, live audio wrestling. You can hear that Sundays, 11 p.m. on TSN 1050. About Ric Flair. So the Nature Boy, if you haven't heard, it's all over social media, all over pretty much every website. Uh, recovering, still critical condition, had um, surgeries, still really unknown. Uh, it was from a heart issue to, to a colon, but then that was refuted. But he's, he's not in good shape. Um, in a hospital for Ric Flair. So we're going to talk about the legacy of Ric Flair. Hopefully he gets better and can come out. There's going to be, uh, I think, a 30 for 30 coming out on ESPN pretty soon, right? Yeah. Uh, About his life and the career. And, and man, and you know what? Like, the movie The Wrestler, remember, a few years ago with uh, Mickey Rourke was supposedly in part based around Ric Flair's life. Like, one of the greatest wrestlers and characters and mainstream guys of all time to ever do the crossover. You have to go next to, you know, Flair, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Like, those are the guys that really... Oh, yes. oh, and Paul Bear. Yes. Paul Bear. <laughs> R.I.P. Paul Bear. And The Undertaker. Those are guys who, who have crossed over. And Ric Flair. The guys, what, 68 years old? The flop. The chop. The figure four. So we put out our poll question at TSN 1050 Radio. On Twitter, at AndyMC81. In honor of the dirtiest player in the game, one of his nicknames, Ric Flair, who's the most infamous cheater in sports? Lance Armstrong, Tom Brady slash Bill Belichick, Barry Bonds, or Ben Johnson? We're going to open the phone lines after the break at the top of the hour. Talk about that before Dustin Nielsen joins us. So 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Toll free, 855-591-6876. So you can vote on that. We can talk Leafs, we can talk NFL camp, or you know what? It's not very often we get to bring pro wrestling, WWE, WCW, into the, the main conversation. So if you want to talk wrestling, if you want to have memory lane flashbacks, some of your favorite wrestlers of all time, wrestling moments, let's do it. I'm going to talk about that at the top of the hour. I'm an old school wrestling fan, guys. Like, oh man. Up till probably 2010. Then I got married and it wasn't quite as easy to, to watch. And I didn't think the product was as good as it used to be. But you get Hulk Hogan, man. So we'll talk some wrestling, uh, Leafs, NFL, and uh, some Edmonton Oilers coming up. So we're going to take the break and come back with a lot more here on Toronto Today. You're listening on TSN 1050.